0: What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, the podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Dr. Mark Mayfield. Uh, Dr. Mark, Mark, let's just jump right into it. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, I have my own mental health story and I think we might get into that a little bit but uh, you know part of the reason I do what I do is because of what I've come out of and what I still kind of wrestle with right so um, you know a 12 year old was uh, attempted suicide due to being abused and bullied at school struggled with depression and anxiety uh, you know I don't it, I don't lead with the fact that I struggle with depression and anxiety much but I know that it's still a part of my story and there's there's key markers I have to pay attention to. Uh, throughout my life and it comes and creeps back in sometimes um more so recently obviously <laughs> with everything that's been going on in our world in my life um but uh started out as being a uh, thought i wanted to do youth ministry so i loved working with kids and helping them kind of find their path and did that for a couple of years realized after a, a kid that uh, attempted suicide another one, or completed suicide another one that attempted through a drug overdose I didn't know what I was doing. And so uh, my, you know, my wife and I decided to go back to school, got my master's in counseling, and then went on to get my PhD in counseling. And uh, I've been working with teenagers in the juvenile justice system, gang members in the uh, inner city, did equine therapy with vets, oh, cool. um, you know, worked in clinics, and then, and then about seven years ago, founded my own clinic uh, in Colorado here. And uh, have been seeing, we do about 20,000 appointments a year. uh through 30 30 staff members and um we're a nonprofit, so we don't want money to be an issue for people's mental health and so we do our best to raise money around scholarship funds and client assistant fund type stuff um and grants and and whatnot but just have a real heart to normalize talk about demystify destigmify mental health because it shouldn't be this big scary thing uh, it should be something that we talk about. So I've written a couple of books. Uh, the path out of loneliness is my most recent one that came out about uh, 30 days ago. And then I've also written a book on, uh, suicide and self-injury for parents and how to walk their kids through those scary times. Wow. So, um, I, how
0: I found you is, is your, your, your newest book, which I, I'm, I, just, man, you talk about, uh, you know, a higher power, uh, I don't have faith, but sometimes I wonder why don't I have faith again? Because (laughs) I, you know, I searched for books on loneliness and yours popped up. And uh, uh, I mean, yeah, how do I, how do I discount such a thing? But anyway, um, that's how I found you. And, and as you know, we had a a discussion for the pre-interview, you know, loneliness is a huge thing for, for everybody, Mm -hmm. I think, especially I think for men. Um, and, and I do want to uh, pick your brain a little bit about what you see uh, in the people that you deal with. It's sort of a side to this, but, but we'll come back to that later. Um, uh, I want to focus on loneliness for now. Um, what, how do you define loneliness? Like, how does someone know if that's what they're going through, if that's what they're
1: feeling? Yeah, I think everybody's experience everybody's definition is going to be born out of their experience. I think, uh, you know, I think so. There's, you know, there might be a, a bunch of different de- definitions of personal loneliness, but I've kind of created my own just for conversation starters, you know? And so as, as you listen, as your listeners listen, it might not fit with you precisely, but there might be pieces of it. you are like, okay, yep. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. But I think language creates culture it cart starts conversation. I think it's really important. So I define loneliness as the state of being unseen or unnoticed, uh, relationally, mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually. It could be driven by a lack of purpose or meaning, relationship and or identity. And I think the key is it's marked by a deep sense of hopelessness.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's uh, one of the the more difficult spots, I think, the uh, sense of hopelessness. Hope, hopelessness. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about then what what it is sort of for me, uh, and, and, Mm -hmm. and what, because I, I have that feeling. Um, I don't know that it's hopelessness, although there's probably times where there, there is that. Uh, but I think for me, it's just that, uh, that it feels like a void Mm -hmm. feels Mm -hmm. like there's, there's, you know, especially because I think, again, we're, we're talking about guys going through divorce and, and I'm going through it myself. And there was a time when I could turn to my left or right, uh, depending on how the mm-hmm. living room was set up. And there was my wife. And, you know, we could have, I could be like, man, what do you think of that thing on the, sh- on the show we're watching or whatever? You know, like, mm-hmm. well, geez, the kid's struggling with this. What do you think of that? I don't have that. Uh, I have two cats, that, one for each daughter. Uh, and they they don't answer back. Uh <laughs> So, well, sometimes
1: they might talk, they might talk
0: back, but they don't, they don't answer back. Right. The male cat talks a lot. It drives me nuts, (laughs) but, um, but then, you know, I can't, I can't have a real conversation with that. Well, I can, but I mean, it's uh, it's more like a conversation with myself, but so that's to me is, is it's this void. That's what it feels like. Like I Mm had, I had something now I don't. Um, and I think guys that are going through divorce, I don't want to speak for all of them, but I deal with a lot of men and I would guess that this is how they feel that it's that void that is suddenly there. And so, you know, talk about that, and 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 your take on on that sort of view that it's now mm-hmm. there's there's a void.
1: Yeah, my, I, I mean, I, I'd love to to expand on that just a little bit. I think, sure. I think the recognition of loneliness is when that void happens. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how many of, uh, you know, I wonder, I'm just going to put this back on you and then your listeners. How many of you felt that way even before Ooh. the divorce, right? Because I think sure. we often, we often can have this misnomer that loneliness cannot happen when we're in proximity to somebody else or loneliness cannot happen in where, if we're in relationship, quote unquote. Right. I I think that actually it can. And I think a lot of times we don't realize maybe the depth of our loneliness until we're in this situation. I don't know. Just throw that out there. But I, I, I wonder if that's true. I know it's been true for me in my own life when I thought, okay, you know, before I got married, a girlfriend would fix that. Or before, right. when I got married, my wife would fix that. And, and I realized, no, I can't put all my eggs in that basket. There's still, at least for me, I struggled, struggled and struggle with bouts of loneliness, even in relationship. Yeah. I, I think that's
0: accurate. And I think it, it doesn't come to the forefront always until that, until that right. particular event. But yeah, I would say there's definitely, there were times for sure. I, I, I'm sure in my marriage, but I definitely can remember in the previous relationship, I can definitely remember feeling lonely despite having a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you're onto something there, but, uh, so, so what is sort of like, how do you, you know, what what do I do to address it? Because even if let's say that that is a fact, like I was, I had loneliness before and then and, and I don't think you're wrong there. Um, what do I do? What do I do
1: with that? How do I, well, I, I think, you know, if you go into the definition that I talked about, it's a lack of identity and purpose at, at, at times. And I think that's a shifting, that's going to be a shifting target, right? I mean, as we get older, as we morph and as we experience life, the pain, the tension, everything, you know, our identity and our purpose, are, you know, might shift slightly. But I think, I mean, I don't want this to sound too mystical, but I think a lot of what we we need to look into is look into ourselves, I, answering the question, you know who am i and, and what what am i put on this earth to do what am what is my purpose and i think as we find meaning in that i'm not saying that the loneliness is going to go away 100% you know but it might it might fill some of that void that you've been ta- that you mentioned of okay i've got a direction i've got something that really brings meaning to my life um, and and people see me Right, and I think that's the big thing: is is are you being seen? Mm-hmm. And that can be done within relationship. That can be done within friendship. That could be done. You know, I mean, I've had. I don't know if you've read books that you know throughout your life, but you okay. have authors that okay, that author sees me. Good grief, like you don't even yeah. know them, but you know, you feel validated. You feel valued by the words that you're reading. I think that's a, a place to start. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily f- fixes it, right? And I don't know if we need to be fixed. I think there at times there's There's parts of this conversation going, what's, what's the matter? What's, what's wrong with sitting with some of that tension. Now it it could be overwhelming at times and that's not okay. When the the hopelessness creeps in that's not okay. Um, but I've found in my own life that when I'm sitting with that uncomfortability, it, it propels me forward.
0: So let's, let's talk about, let's hone in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we talk about, you talk about sort of like, uh, finding a purpose or, or, or knowing yourself. Um, how do you how do you recommend that? Like, because so I mean, for me, it just sort of I I, I couldn't even tell you nece- Obviously, the divorce preceded it, but what led to me, um, sort of finding my purpose, which I think is this: I'm doing it sure. right now. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 it's and it's expanding and growing, and that is helping helping divorce men is my thing now. But I can't I couldn't tell you honestly. Step what steps led to that? I don't I don't remember. Uh, I just know mm-hmm. it, it sort of it came to be. Um, and I, I but I don't think it. I don't know, so it could have been a, a step-by-step process. I don't remember that. I don't remember how it occurred. It just did. But so, how? But how do you, how do you sort of tackle that that question? Who am I? What is my purpose?
1: Yeah, I, I think in a, in a Western society as ours, we get drawn into who am I is what I do, my job, my career, especially for men, right? Yep. You know, who are you? Well, I'm. a I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're a lawyer. I'm glad that you're a doctor. I'm glad that you're a counselor, a teacher, a mechanic, that that's not what I'm asking. That's like what you find, maybe find joy. in for some, from some of you, you know, but there's some people that are doing their thing because they're making a bunch of money and they have to find no joy in that whatsoever. Um, I think the question of who am I is very elusive. One of my, one of my, so one of the things that I really encourage people to do is, is find a book or a you know philosophy so for example one of the things that i really enjoy doing every year i either read or listen to victor frankel man's search for meaning Mm. now victor frankel was a a, a psychiatrist that uh, new psychiatrist at at 24 years old that was uh, brought into the concentration camps in nazi germany and he uh, survived uh, and his book, Man's Search for Meaning, was just a reflection on how he survived. Mm. And he was talking about, you know, he talks about this idea that he found meaning in and purpose in the suffering and the struggle. And basically, he, you know, the, the premise of the book is that, you know, the, the Nazis could have done whatever they wanted to his body, but he actually was the one that protected his mind and preserved his mind. And he ended up dying an old man in the 1990s. Mm. Um, you know, and so I go back to a book like that every year just to kind of recenter and reevaluate and and I learn something new every time now those listening it could be you know uh you know uh you know uh chandra gupta or you know a uh you know um if there's if somebody's a faith from a christian perspective finding a book like that wherever it kind of they align uh either faith-wise or just purpose in life wise find a find a book that kind of comes back and asks you the tough questions but i you know i think something you could do that without a book too of just you know what brings me joy? What do I look forward to? Um, you know, what am I good at? Um, you know, uh, who around me uh, is somebody you know brings me joy, or you know, is that reciprocal relationship? Uh, so I think a lot of times, uh, I know for myself at least, I'm not going to project on anybody else, but I find my my meaning in in giving out and being some somebody for somebody else. But that also needs to be reciprocated because if not, I'm going to burn out, right? So there's that that reciprocal piece too. Sure. But I think being being but then asking that question, being vulnerable. How am I doing? How is my heart? How is my mind? How is my my spirit? Uh, how's my body? You know, mm. uh, and reevaluating those things as well. I think that's where a lot of this conversation can come. It is very ethereal. It's very existential. I think that's on purpose because that means the way I find it's going to be different than the way you find it. And that's okay. Um, But we have to be willing to sit with some of these vulnerable questions. We have to be willing to sit with, did my relationship really complete me in that stupid movie term? Or, you know, or did it, did it add to what was already there? And I think we have to take a step back going, okay, if I'm in the midst of a changing relationship now, I don't want to throw any judgment out there. Did I make the right decision in that relationship to begin with, or did I make it based on my insecurities, based on my, and is this helping me refine who I am? And hard question to ask because, you know, you, you sit with that, that framework. Yeah. So let's let's talk about
0: those moments of uh, sort of loneliness, hopelessness. maybe maybe not hopelessness. Let's let's put that one on hold. But those moments of sure. f- feeling lonely, uh, feeling uh, you know uh, like there is a void. And so in those moments, it, it's perhaps best to start asking some of these questions, right? And so mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say, I, I guess, is if this is about being mindful, right? About paying paying attention okay man i am feel lonely let me shift and what what are the things that i enjoy let me go do that or, or 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 at least you know let's make a list or it is about it's about being active right it's about being active up here mm-hmm. with intent to, to to discover who you are to ask these questions to figure out your purpose right mm-hmm. and so Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I, I think for me, it's, it's all about being mindful, um, about paying attention to where you're at. And, and instead of feeling lonely and then just ruminating and cycling with that feeling and, oh, I'm a failure, I, I, I fucked up, I, the marriage, was, it's all my fault. Right. all these, all these sorts of things, right? So when you start having these thoughts, it's better to sort of redirect, right? Well, it,
1: it is absolutely. Cause I think you, you didn't say it, but you said it is that there's a difference between struggling with bouts of loneliness and then pervasive loneliness. And I think pervasive loneliness is where hopelessness creeps in. So we can come back to that later if you want, yep. but like the, what you're talking about is those bouts of loneliness that, that creep in. And then, like you said, it's that doubt, it's that self-talk, it's that, you know, I'm going to go down this, this, this deep, dark hole, which could lead to the other stuff. Um, And so you're right. It's being mindful of that. It's, it's, you know, I like this idea of holding our thoughts captive, meaning like, don't let your thoughts rule you, you rule your thoughts. And it's just, and that's the mindfulness piece there too. I think one thing that I would just say as a word of warning, make sure that what you turn to doesn't numb Mm. the stuff, because I think we can turn to substance we could turn to sex we could turn to pornography we could turn to other things that that numb how we're feeling and i think it's sometimes okay like let's just be honest we want to be numbed for a while because it's we just need a break i like i'm not going to judge that at all um but i think if that's our go-to then we numb everything the joy the happiness the, the the everything and i think sometimes the biggest teacher that we can have is sitting in that discomfort for a little while asking these questions and then making a plan forward. And, and again, it's not an end all be all fix all. I wish it was a 2 plus 2 uh, plus, you know, equals 4 formula, but it's right.
0: not. Yeah, and I I wanted I wanted to comment on that and say sarcastically like what what's what's the can you just fix it for me? Like isn't there <laughs> right, just right. like just do this this thing and you'll be fine. Like your loneliness right. will disappear. I don't think there yeah. is anything worth getting to in life that doesn't have some difficulty attached to it, right? Agreed. And I yeah. think sometimes we look for those quick fixes, but they just don't exist. Like, I think there's probably someone who's listening now going, okay, what do I need to do? Like, mm-hmm. it, let me get this, like, how do I fix this? What?" And it's, it, it, it's not, It, it we can give you some tools and some ideas and some tips, mm-hmm. but
1: it's work, right? It's work. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many times in my, you know, 13, 14 plus years of counseling where I've people come in, Hey doc, just fix me. I'm like, well, you're going to be really pissed at me here shortly because that's not going to happen. And, you know, I, I don't pull any punches in my counseling. And so I put it back on them to do the work. And if they're not going to do the work, then there's no point. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have to get to that part of ourselves. We're like, what else do I do? Well, you know, I think deep down in all of us, we're fighters. Yeah. You know, and so let's figure out a way to, to, to fight. And a lot of times that's fighting ourselves, fighting our misconceptions, our preconceptions, fighting our you know, biases about others and ourselves. I mean, there's a lot there to it. And I love that, you know, that, that we need to, to work and move forward in that tension and that struggle.
0: Yeah. Agree. So let's, but let's talk, uh, if you are in that hopeless Mm headspace, what do we do then? Because at that point you've probably ruminated so long that there, it's not a quick fix to, uh, to start trying to change your thoughts. Like you're so deep in it. What, what do you recommend Mm -hmm. in those, in those moments?
1: Well, I mean, there's a couple of different paths you can take, right? Uh, recent research showed that uh, about, I think it's 18 to 22% of individuals that receive a mental health diagnosis turn to their clergy or a person of faith hmm. first before they go to a mental health professional. And so, you know, if people are listening and they're, you know, they're Baha'i, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, whatever they are, you know, there are organizations that are set up to sit with you in those things. And I think that might be, if that's your bent, go, go find your clergy first i think that's a great place to, to figure it out but i you know dr uh, irving yalom uh, is another hero of mine in um uh just the counseling realm and he always says you know that we get to a place that is beyond ourselves sometimes it's okay to have a paid friend and i think that's where counseling comes in i think we you know that there's not this mystical i'm going to go to a counselor and i'm going to get healed or I'm going to get pigeonholed and labeled. No, like we're in a lot of ways, we're just a prayed friend. And there's a lot of people in this world that don't have people that they trust, that they can sit with and process their deepest, darkest feelings. And so finding a good counselor and, you know, I can give you some resources you know, towards the end of how to do that, but it's, it's not a life sentence. I've got clients that I've had for five years, but they come every month now, just because they feel like it's a great check-in
0: yeah. I've
1: got clients that I've had that we were intensive two times a week for six months. And, and now they're great, you know, and so it's, it's this, it's the way we look at it. And I think a paid friend and it's confidential. I think it's fantastic. We can say whatever we want, except for a couple things, um, you know, in our sessions and, and, you know, it doesn't leave the room and there's something beautiful about that too. Okay.
0: No, agreed. I, 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 think there is something, uh, incredibly important about counseling and, and but I, but I do say all the time that, and this isn't a affront to your to your industry, um, no, no. because I believe in it. Uh, but but uh, because you go to someone's office and they have a, a degree on their wall, doesn't mean that they're going to be the one for you. It's just like dating. In my view, you got to find the one that works for you. Uh, just like there are bad everything's in live in, in life. <laughs> there are yes. bad counselors. I've had hey, some. Hey Amen. I've had some. Yeah. And so you, you have to be picky, I think, and, and, and find, I think first it starts with defining what do you want? What are you looking for? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause again, I think some people go, Oh, I'll just get into counseling. Like you said, and, and, Oh, look, just fix me doc. Like, well, that's not how it works. Like, so where do yeah. you want to get to, to find that and see if that person can help you get there. Um, the other thing that came up while you were talking, and I wanted to ask you about, I'm very curious, uh, in, in all of your, um, dealings with, uh, with with your clients, uh, and I don't know your breakdown. Uh, maybe maybe you do or don't. But in terms of the loneliness question, do you find that it's more men or women? And obviously, this is anecdotal. But it, uh, what do you find has been the more? Where is loneliness landed more? Men or or women?
1: You know, I think before COVID, I would have said men. I think now I would say it's probably pretty pretty distri- equally distributed. What I will say, I, 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 and this is where it causes just some alarm for me, as I see it hugely growing amongst our teenage and child populations, mm. um, which is you know sad and scary. I think in, in some ways, but uh, definitely with our teenagers. But I think you know across the board, uh, probably probably men, because I think for one reason or another, whether we were raised by parents of past generations where we don't talk about our feelings, or there's something stigmatic around mental health or whatever it is we just don't have places to turn and so i think you know i I do believe that men can relate to the the feeling of loneliness probably easier or or more quickly um you know because of our own preconceived notions or stigmas that we've placed
0: yeah i I agree i I see and deal with it all the time um I, i think for whatever reason You know, and there's so much to this question, but like that men just keep it inside. We just we don't we I I asked I had a group chat last night for my support group. And I said, how many of you here have cried in front of another man? And like, I don't think anyone raised their hand, which and to me, that's I I understand it. But boy, is that fucking sad? Like, It is. who, Who cares if you cry? Like, it's not it's not our duty as men, in my view, to go through life white knuckling it and hoping for the best or 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 swallowing our emotions it's it's detrimental it's it
1: leads to suicide quite frankly in my view oh um, it does it totally does and i think you know we see that suicide is is number 2 i think killer for 10 to 25 year olds right now but then it's you know going up for you know 40 to 60 year olds white males you know as well and so um yeah you're right i think it's it's we put ourselves in a box and you know I think we associate emotions and, and, and tears to weakness where I associate that to strength.
0: Amen. Amen. Um, again, and, and uh, these things always, I, I, this is why I make an outline because I tend to go off <laughs> on, on rabbit holes and I, I got another one and, and I'm curious as a, as a, you're a man of faith, uh, correct. Yep. Huh? I am not. And, and I, and that's not a judgment on, on me or you, uh, I struggle with it. My best friend in the world is a very faithful man and I love him to death. Uh, and I wouldn't change a thing about him. Um, but I'm curious for you, how much did your faith uh, help you out of your depression or, or help you deal with your depression?
1: How much do you credit your faith mm-hmm. for that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I think, I think it had a big, I mean, a right understanding, I think, of my faith helped immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but I had to come to a right understanding of, of that. and I, And I think that's that, that was a big deal, but I think be, believing in, in, in having something bigger than myself, uh, you know, and people could judge that all they want, but I think that really helped, you know, my um, understanding of self in relation to the world that helped me understand myself in relation to my depression. Um, it didn't put a bandaid on it, you know, and I think there's a lot of harm that can happen in places of faith where we just throw a bandaid on it yeah. and that, that didn't happen for me. And so I try really hard not to let that happen to others as well like if you only had more faith or if you you know right. prayed more or you know that kind of bs you know so it's like so i think having the right understanding that the and the right understanding is that this life is 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 filled with joys and suffering and we can't i think pick and choose and we can't um we can, there's not quick fixes yeah. we have to sit with the joys enjoy the joys and to sit with the tension and, and the suffering and in in, in a weird way, enjoy the suffering. Like my life over the last 20 months has been really hard. A lot of tragedies, a lot of death, a lot of sadness. And yet it has been probably more rich and more full than, than I think life was before that. And I, it's hard to explain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I think that was just kind of a quick answer to your question, but I think, yeah, I think a right understanding of my faith really did help me through um, and helps me through depression.
0: Do you find yourself at all, uh, and this isn't to challenge you or I, I promise sure, you, no. I'm just curious, like, do you find, do you still have moments of, or, or do you have, have you ever had any kind of moments of doubt or like, this is not, this is all bullshit or maybe not mm-hmm. quite that, uh, you oh, know, no, we'll go
1: that, we'll, we'll go that strong. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even as recently as a year and a half ago, when my dad was in ICU, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, on life support, you know, and just kind of questioning, Everything. Um what do you do in those moments?
0: What do you do? What are you I
1: doing? I look I to me personally, I look backwards at at God's faithfulness and see how he has shown up in the past, even in the in the ways that I wouldn't have expected. Hmm. And so I think a lot of times when I'm in the midst of things that don't make sense, I have to look backwards and kind of keep account of uh faithfulness. Uh, you know, and I think it's just, an, again, it's kind of that right understanding of who I am in, in this world, at least in my opinion. And even if my dad did pass away, would that have negated everything that I experienced in the past? You know, I would wrestle with it. Sure. Um, but I think the answer would have been no. Um, you know, and so it is, it's, it, it's not cut and dry. I think just like the loneliness conversation, it's not cut and dry. I think I love that you're having Conversations like this, because I think that's how we get to know each other better, how we understand humanity, you know, how we understand faith, how we understand what we believe and why we believe, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. And instead of throwing stones at one faith or an organization or the other, it's it's great to have conversations. And I think this is so important.
0: Yeah, I I don't, man. I'm not. I try not. Well, I judge because I'm human, right? We all judge. So do I, right? Right. I mean, but but I try to keep an open mind. Like I said, my best friend in the world is a very faithful man. I don't see the world the way that he sees it, but I don't, I don't think that means that I see it better or he is wrong or I am right. Who the fuck knows, man. <laughs> right. Like I, I can't, it, it's it's easy to judge it's easy to to have notions that because there's comfort in that right we all have these little boxes and go oh you're a christian so you must be this or you're an atheist so you must be that or you're a feminist or whatever republican democrat and and i get the simplicity in that because life is fucking complicated man there's sure there, we're all dealing with a lot of shit and so putting shit in boxes i think is is easier but i think it's lazy um and and, it, it, mm-hmm. and gen- generalizing um is, is is, laziness uh in in my view uh but but i understand it you know i understand yeah. it
1: no but i totally agree you know i think that's where you know uh somebody you know i have students ask me if i teach you know in the counseling program what my theoretical orientation is and i said i'm an existential reality feminist and they're looking at me like like what <laughs> you know but aren't you th-? I'm like yes I can't why can't I be both and right. you know aren't you right. this aren't you that yes yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, and so yeah. I think you're right to to take away the boxes is, is really important. Um, and I think that's, it goes back to this conversation about loneliness and mental health, taking away the boxes around those things is going, I can be happy and yet still struggle with depression. Mm. I can be lonely and still yet be in relationship. I can be in relationship, you know? So, I mean, I think it's a yes and more so than we'd like to say, and you're right. Black and white really brings comfort or at least false hope or a false sense of security. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I struggle with it. I I have my views uh, that I, that I don't touch on personal views that I don't touch on um, because I don't want anyone to not let's say they're listening to the podcast and they're like, wow, this is really helpful. And then politics seeps its little way into as it does with everything. And I say something and they're like, oh, well, fuck this guy. So I understand the tendency um, I, I think it's short-sighted and, and it's an it's an unfortunate byproduct of our culture of our you know of the news media of our politicians because you know it's it's a lot easier to get
1: votes if you can demonize the other side um, oh absolutely you know and well, May, it's, and, it's it's yeah. funny because uh, I got invited to a year it'd be two years ago this December to the White House to be a part of a, a mental health initiative hmm. and everybody's like you're not going to go are you like it's the Trump administration <laughs> right. and I'm like if i don't go and have a voice like who's going to do that like again like you said the black and white like yeah. let's let's throw stones and put people in the box i'm like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go and i'm gonna stir up the pot a little bit i'm gonna go and ask questions i'm gonna go and you know but i think it's it's worse not to go you no, know and, and not 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 to have conversation you know so you know I, I'm glad that you're doing this kind of stuff and and really you know pushing some of these, these limits when it comes to some of these conversations because I think it really helps us as a society, but also the guys that are listening going, oh okay, maybe I've oversimplified or maybe I've overcomplicated or maybe I've you know right. and I love it. I think it's it's great.
0: Well, and I think it I think it cuts us off, right? We talk about loneliness. Like if you're gonna cut off half of the country you know if you're lonely and you're like oh i'd like to join that group but it's full of republicans or full of democrats or what like who knows? like you get into it like it could be a fucking birding group i don't know maybe you're into birding right? <laughs> yeah, right you go to the birding group and the guy's like yeah fuck biden you're like ah i'm out you know what i mean it, right. where, where where the healthy thing to do is uh i think you know uh learn some boundaries and be like hey guys could we not talk about that which is also a difficult thing to do but i think if if yeah. you're able to do those things, it, it lends itself to eliminating some loneliness. It opens you up to whatever may be and whatever may yeah. come. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, think, I think it can be difficult, obviously, uh, because we're locked in sort of our, our, our own uh, sort of views and agendas and stuff like that. But I, I really think it sort of um, it cuts us off. Um, Mm -hmm. um, from, 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 from the potential to, to, to combat this loneliness. So let's, let's recap a little bit. Let's, let's talk about uh, what the definition of loneliness is.
1: Um, Could you uh, cover that one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So I say that the state of uh, loneliness is the state of being unseen or unnoticed relationally, mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually. And it can be driven by a lack of purpose or meaning relationship and our identity and is marked by a deep sense of hopelessness
0: man i think that's a fucking great definition so let's talk about okay so what do we do right and Mm -hmm. first uh foremost i guess is trying to discover who we are what do we like what do we desire what what makes us happy what brings us joy um those are the kind of questions that we need to to start asking ourselves
1: correct Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and and, you know i think if you are a person of faith to to use that as a as you know, a healthy guide, you know, as a, as a, as well, I think is important if you're not, that's okay. Uh, I think you still can answer these questions, but I still think we have, all of us have a, a lens, a worldview, if you will, that guides us, governs us. And I think we need to, to reflect on that, but also use that as a guide for some of these questions as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then the other component is if you are
1: hopeless, if you are in a state of complete despair, get some help. Yeah. Yep. Raise your hand. Could be a support group. You know, it could be reaching out to you and asking me, okay, who would you suggest I go to using psychology today.com is a great way to filter through your zip code and kind of what you're looking for. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, and it might not be uh, counseling. It might be coaching. It might be yeah. uh, some spiritual guidance from somebody. I mean, whatever it looks like, but you know, if you're hopeless, ask for help, don't do it by yourself.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and so the last uh, question that I ask everyone Um, I think it's a a pretty important one because there are men that are listening that might be a week into their journey, uh, -hmm. a a day even, uh, where they just, they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been through it. I didn't eat. Sure, I I couldn't sleep. Um, I was just a shell of a person. And so what words of wisdom would you impart to that man who had just Mm -hmm. found out? hey, I want a divorce. I'm moving out. You need to move out. What are some things you would say to that man?
1: Yeah, I think look at it from a st- stance of grieving. Um, you know, uh, don't don't look at the stages of grief. The stages of grief were designed for people that found out they were dying and they were trying to figure out uh, how to come to grips with their mortality. Um, so don't look at like, I've got to be at a certain stage of grief. Grief is, is messy. And so I think, look at it from a stage of a, a, a standpoint of grief. And so one of my biggest encouragements for somebody that is grieving, right? So you, you lost relationships, like somebody died. I mean, let's just look at, let's just be honest. Right. Yep. And, um, you've got to continue moving forward. If you've got kids, if you've got a job, if you've got responsibilities, so look at, uh, ways to schedule your grief. And so I will encourage people in my office, like, okay, schedule 15, you know, three fifteen-minute stamp, you know, weeks or you know, parts of your day where you go rage, where you go cry, where you go beat, you know, beat your pillow or, you know, whatever that looks like to, to let out the anger, let out the sadness, and then you know, and when the alarm goes off at fifteen minutes, put yourself back together and go to your responsibilities because if we don't let that out, it's going to come out in different ways. Um, it's a process, right? And so you might be doing well for a while. And then it comes and bites you in the ass <laughs> like because you yes. don't know what you don't know, you know, and you're like, where did that come from? Well, it just, it comes out of nowhere. There's times where I still am grieving my the loss of my grandfather. And that was 12 years ago. Yeah. And there might be moments where it comes out of nowhere. Uh, and just allow that to happen. Time does not heal wounds. I think that's the biggest BS ever. Agreed. Um, we grow around the wounds. We become stronger. We become different. We become uh, um, more developed in different areas because of it. Uh, so don't look at time like, oh, if I get to six months after the divorce, it's going to be better. No, it might not be. Right. It's going, to, you know, but you're going to grow. You're going to learn new techniques and tools. Uh, so I think those are the two the two pieces of wisdom that I would give. Um, and don't don't judge your journey. Compare it, Don't compare it to somebody else because it's going to be yours. It's unique.
0: Yeah, I, I agreed. I think there's a component there that I really love that you kind of talk about is this and i can I can be healing or even healed, dare I say, and still have grief around what happened. I don't yeah. think we can ever truly look back and i and, and I'm only two years out, but I don't think I can ever truly look back and be like, oh man, glad that happened. you know there might right. be some good that comes of it. I can sure. be healed and still grieve what occurred
1: yeah the grief the grief, the what ifs, the grieves the the missed outs the you know, and and some people listening could be going, well, I'm I'm relieved, and like yeah, put and don't put but
0: you yeah, know yeah.
1: put and to everything because that I think helps expand your your purview for sure. Yeah, that's that's
0: awesome. I'm I, I I'm gonna lean on that one more. Uh, I think it's such a, a a healthy and realistic way to look at it because again, mm-hmm. I think we put ourselves in these boxes. Like, I will be healed when six months occur or it goes by yeah. or a year or when I I never look back in anger or sadness or and, 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 and I, and, I, and I don't think that's the case. I think you can still have a good, healthy life and look back in regret or grief um, as time moves on.
1: So yeah, absolutely. how can people so, yeah, find uh,
0: uh, Dr. Mark Mayfield? What's the best way to reach
1: you? Yeah. I mean, you can find the book on Amazon. You know, uh, I would encourage people to pick it up and do it in groups and you know read through it together. Uh, it's not meant to be taken as, you know, absolute truth. So read it, discuss it, disagree with it, pick it apart, you know, and, and that's the beauty of, I think, the book. Uh, you can also find me at, uh, at the Dr. Mayfield for Instagram and Facebook and then drmayfield.com for my website. Um, but, you know, I encourage people to reach out if they've got questions and, um, you know, want to continue the conversation. But I think that's the biggest piece right there. Continue the conversation, you know, and and add to it.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you doing this and
1: uh, yeah, I look forward absolutely. to doing it again. Yeah, let me know. I'd love to. I love what you're doing. And I think this is such a great tool for men. And I know that a lot of individuals listening are, are being blessed because of it. So thank you. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Thank you to Nick Coyle and Lifer for allowing me to use their song, Born Again, which you're hearing now and at the intro to the podcast. Thank you to Justin Dullehanty and all of my brothers at The Alpha Code. Please visit the website, risingphoenixpodcast.com, to connect with me and other like-minded men who are looking to thrive and grow after their divorce. And remember to surround yourself with people who add value to your life, who challenge you to be greater than you were yesterday, who sprinkle magic into your existence like you do to theirs. Life is not to be done alone. Find your tribe. Take care.